0: The Old Testament reading is taken from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, reading verses 10 to 16, and it's on page 636 in the Church Bibles. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as shale, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary mortals? that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil. And choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God.
1: I want to spend some time with you this morning. Reflecting on that Old Testament lesson which uh, David read for us, uh, the story we heard from Isaiah chapter 7, where the prophet uh, asks the king to give him a sign. uh, uh, It tells the king to ask for a sign. And then the king, as you heard, uh, did not want to ask for a sign. He said, and this is my translation, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't want to bother God with this. He is so busy. So, uh, Isaiah said, well, you are going to get a sign anyway, and this is it. Uh, A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. Now, I would like to reflect with you this morning on on what it means to get a sign from God, because I know that Christian people like to look for signs, and when we get signs or, or what we think are signs, we like to talk. Them and reflect on them. But before we do that, I want to read for you our uh, New Testament lesson. This is the Christmas story as we find it in Matthew's Gospel, and it's a very different angle, a very different perspective from the one we find in Luke chapter 2. So, Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. Listen for God's Word. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife and had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. And he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, I did something last week in, in preparation for today that I probably should not have done. I allowed a question that I had never really thought about before to get under my skin. And then I let it nag me and annoy me and and finally it got the better of me. The question was about that sign that uh, Isaiah gave to Ahaz. And my question was, well, what kind of a sign is that? And, and why is God always giving signs to people? You know, the Bible, as you probably know, as I hope you know, is filled with them. And, and, and so the question is, why? In, in Luke 2, an angel appears to the shepherds while they're keeping watch over their flocks by night, and, and the angel said to them, this, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. So I've always wondered what that meant. I mean, how can a baby be a sign of something? And, and if it's a sign, what, what is it a sign of exactly? When the shepherds went running off to Bethlehem to find this baby, looking for a burning lamp maybe to indicate that someone was, was still awake, what, what, did, what did they expect to find? What did they expect to see? I mean, have you ever wondered that? I was blessed to grow up in a Christian family. Mom, dad, sisters, uncles, aunts, cousins, grandparents, all believers, every single one of them and i was part of a larger uh, uh, christian community as well and 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 i have to say these were people who did not look for signs as some of you know i grew up among uh, second and, and third generation dutch immigrants to the united states and i think it's fair to say that these were practical people you know they were farmers and, and furniture makers and school teachers and like most immigrant groups, they worked hard and, and they worked long hours, and they did not have much time for mystery and wonder. You know that was not a faith that they embraced. To them, all of that seemed frivolous. They had the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule, and beyond that, what do you really need? Do unto others as you would like them to do unto you. I mean, there's no mystery there. Jesus said it, so do it. That was my childhood. However, as I grew up and as I ventured out into the world, I began to notice that there were different kinds of of Christian people in the world. They, They weren't all exactly like the ones that I had known in childhood. Which I have to say came as quite a surprise. I met people along the way who, how should I say this, who, who had mystical experiences. People who talked with God. People who heard God speak to them. and made, These people lived in a world that I knew nothing about. And partly I was a, a, attracted to that. I mean, I love the, the, the mystery and, and wonder of that. I still do. But I also found myself being distrustful because of how I was brought up to think of the Christian faith. As I mentioned, the Bible is filled with signs that God gives to people. And maybe you've noticed this, especially in connection with the birth of the Messiah. There's no denying that the Bible is filled with wonder and mystery in how God communicates with us. Way way back in the book of Exodus, this is in chapter 3, Moses is at the burning bush and he's having a a conversation with God, speaking of mystical experiences. And, And Moses said to God, Who am I that I should bring your people out of Egypt? And God said, I mean, do you remember God's answer to that question? God said to Moses, well, don't worry, I will be with you and this will be a sign for you. After you have brought the people out of Egypt, you are going to worship me on this mountain. Remember that. And of course, that's not the only example. All the way at the end of the Bible, or practically at the end in, in the epistle to the Hebrews, the author there is making an argument about faith. and In other words, how do we know that our faith is true? What evidence do we have? So the author there writes, Well, I mean, first it was the Lord who told us it was Jesus himself. And then it was attested to us by those who heard him, by his followers, the disciples. And finally, God added his own testimony. This I'm quoting Hebrews here. God added his own testimony by signs and wonders and various miracles. Hebrews 2, verse 4, if you want to look it up. In other words, God is still speaking to us, and, and, and God is still showing us things, and, and, and God is still pointing the way for us. And the biggest, most important sign of all, the Bible seems to say, is Jesus himself, Emmanuel. As far as Christian believers are concerned, he is the reason for this season of the year. We take time right about now to look into the manger. And so we stand side by side with those uh, shepherds gazing at this child who has been born and, and, and he has been given to us as a sign of God's intentions in the world. And what happens? Or, or, or what is supposed to happen as we look and as we remember the promise that the angel gave to us, the promise of, of peace, of course, but not just any kind of peace. The promise that the the shepherds were given was that the world would be restored to the way it was meant to be. This was going to be God's shalom. To us, a a, a child is born, the, the prophet wrote. To us, a son is given. And this has always amazed me. The government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Look, I mean, the first and most important thing I want to say to you today about signs is, is be careful. Right? Signs are all around us. I mean, We, we are surrounded by signs. I, I, I would say we can't avoid them. To, to the person of faith, they are everywhere and, and they are unmistakable. As the, as the epistle to the Hebrews tells us, God continues to speak to us. And as a, a, a theology professor uh, put it uh, one time in class, we believe in a talkative God. But here's the thing, those signs are, are, are sometimes difficult to understand, and, and, and it seems to me they are easily misinterpreted. I, I would even say, and I wonder if you would agree with me about this, that, that seeing and understanding these signs requires practice. <laughs> we, we need to learn to see. And, and maybe, this would be my advice, we need to apprentice ourselves or or hang around with people who seem to be good at noticing these signs. A number of years ago, I was meeting with a man who thought he should make a major change in his life. He seemed to be successful in his career as a businessman, uh, but he was f- feeling a, uh, an, uh, an urge to become an elementary school teacher. I mean, talk about a major change, and, and obviously... A great deal was at stake. He had a wife and a family and a house that was not yet paid for. And, and so he went through this difficult time of, of uh, decision making, which is why he eventually came to see me. And after a couple of difficult conversations, he came to see me a third time. And oh my, he was relaxed and, and cracking jokes. And I mean, the tears were gone. His face was bright and all the tension was gone. And I said, well, What happened? You look like a different person. And, and then he described for me that uh, he was out driving uh, one night and it was a rainy night, and the windshield wiper was having a hard time keeping the the windshield uh, uh, clean and and to his right, he thought he saw a sign and it was in front of a store, but he only made out one word on on this sign, and that word was "go <laughs> and and to him this meant something, so uh, he became hyper alert and He proceeded another kilometer or so, and then he saw another sign, and again, a single word, now! And he thought, go now, that's what I've been waiting for, it's so clear. And my first response, I did not share this with him. But my first response was, really? You're going to make what may be the biggest decision of your life based on that? And as I say, I did not say that to him, but as a pastor in that situation, I thought, what is my responsibility to this man? Do I say, that's ridiculous, go now? I mean, uh, uh, that could mean anything. Get a grip, man. (laughs) Instead, this is what I said to him "Uh, Tell me, did you notice those two signs because they confirmed what you had already been thinking? this decision that you had already arrived at in your mind, or did you notice them because they came as a complete surprise? Because those words were totally unexpected, something you never expected to see. What I was trying to say to that man, and remarkably enough, we are still friends. But what I tried to say is that signs from God usually point us in a direction we did not expect to go. Signs from God are often counterintuitive. They come to us when we're least expecting them. I and mean, the wonder of them is that we could not have imagined them on our own. The sign that Isaiah gave to the king, King Ahaz, was so totally unexpected that it had the ring of truth to it. Right? Does that make sense to you? Right, God was unexpectedly speaking a word of hope into a a situation of utter hopelessness. Things could not have been more bleak. The kingdom that David had built and that, that Solomon had expanded was crumbling and it would not survive. But you see, God actually takes us by surprise. God typically says the unexpected. And if you are looking for a sign right now in your own life, I would say... It will not be what you are expecting it to be. When we have just about given up, when we are feeling tired and spent and worthless and angry and lonely, it's then that God says to us, I have good news for you. Good news of a great joy, which shall be to all the people, for to you was born this day, In the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. It seems to me that that we pay attention to words like those because they take us by surprise. I found a quote last week uh, that at first anyway I really liked. I had never seen it before. A, a, A lonely day, this is how it begins, a lonely day is God's way of saying that he wants to spend some quality time with you. And at first I thought, oh, how lovely. <laughs> Isn't that nice? I wish I had a pillow with, with those words and, and a script. And, uh, and, but the longer I thought about those words, the more I started to wonder about them. It's not easy being me. Uh, I, I thought, well, maybe a lonely day is, is God's way of saying you should get out and make more friends. <laughs> maybe a lonely day is God's way of saying that you feel sorry for yourself too much. A lonely day could mean just about anything at all, right? So here's the next point I want to make. The, 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 the signs that, that we think we see and the whispers that we, we think we are getting from, from God himself to us, they need to be consistent with what God is doing in the world. They need to fit the pattern. The, the birth of a baby in Bethlehem should have been No surprise. Right? I mean, we read the Old Testament today, and and especially a prophet like Isaiah, and everything seems so clear to us. Of course God was planning this all along. We get that. If you read Isaiah closely, all of the clues and all of the hints and all of the signs are there. God had been planning this for centuries, Isaiah 53. for, For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity, and as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him of no account. Tell me, who else could that be? We hear those words today and of course we see Jesus, don't we? It could only be him. But at the time, it was not so clear. It would have been counterintuitive and not at all what they were expecting. And for large numbers of people today, you may be one of them. It's still not clear. But we who have trained our minds to see and hear God's word to us, we know. We understand. It it makes sense to us, and it is good news. In fact, it is wonderful news. I once made uh, pastoral calls in a hospital that played uh, Brahms' lullaby uh, over the sound system every time a baby was born at that hospital. So clever, right? Uh, uh, What a wonderful thing to do. And the first time I thought it, I I stopped in the hallway to listen. Oh, isn't that nice? How special. But after a few years of... Of making visits there, I I didn't hear it anymore. Uh, Staff members didn't hear it anymore. No one paid any attention at all. The birth of a baby, well, what do you expect to find in a hospital? So, uh, how does God decide to come into the world? Uh, How does God decide to make himself known to us? Are there announcements and and, and, and news releases and press conferences and stadium rallies? Well, no, none of that. In in, in fact, it's just the opposite. God came quietly. I mean, sure, we can assume that Jesus made Mary and Joseph happy. Uh, They looked at him that night with a mixture of of, uh, fear and, and awe, like all new parents, excited and scared at the same time. But beyond them, uh, who was even aware of Jesus' birth? A bunch of shepherds, okay, yes, but but no one else. Think of it. The Word which had been present with God since the creation of the world became flesh, became one of us. And the world hardly noticed. The world shrugged its shoulders. Uh, I would say that if you are waiting uh, for something big and spectacular, uh, if you're thinking that God's coming into your life is going to be big and spectacular and, and so on, then, then, then you don't understand who God is and how God works. God came among us quietly, and God still comes among us quietly. And, and, and that's what this season of the year is for, to remember that and to train our eyes to see God's coming into the world. So pay attention. <laughs> I mean, pay attention as you have never paid attention before. Keep your eyes open. Be alert. Something is going to happen. Something may already be happening inside of you. And it will happen when you are least expecting it. The Savior of the world will come into your life. And when that happens... And this happens every time a baby is born. Your life will never be quite the same again. Will you pray with me? Let us pray. Lord, what is there to say in in, in the face of this wonderful season of the year? This is the time, if there ever was one, to listen to the music and to read the story and then let the wonder and awe flow over us. So here we are today, and we are listening, and we are looking, and we are hoping that you have a sign for us. And in fact, that sign has already come among us, and that sign is your Son. We pray that we may be alert, and that our eyes may be opened, and that we may see what you have in mind for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.